Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you, worship team. Uh, man, what a great time of worship, right? Awesome. Um, if, you're, if you're new here, hopefully you see we really value the presence of God um, and just spending time in God's presence. You know, we had this, uh, we had like a little huddle up before our, uh, our service with some of the people that are serving on our teams. And I think Pastor Ryan gave a word of like, hey, we just need to just wait on God. Wait, wait on what he wants to do. And the worship team wasn't, wasn't necessarily here for that, right? They didn't hear that word. So it's cool to see what, what the Lord's doing. And uh, I just believe, man, I just believe we're going to leave uh, here filled with hope. Um, filled with hope in, in who God is, how good he is. And so uh, I want to encourage you guys, open your Bibles with me. Uh, Genesis chapter 3. Um, I, I look out, I see there's a few people that I don't know. Maybe a few newer people here. If you've been coming for the, f- the past few weeks, I'm John. I get to be one of the, uh, the elders here. I'm not normally the, uh, the guy who teaches. And normally that's Pastor Ryan. Normally uh, they keep me in a cage and they, they have me play the drums. But every once in a while they let me out of the cage. And so uh, that's where we're at this morning. So they'll probably put me back in for a couple months after here. But uh, We've been going through our, our series, uh, Silencing Shame, in Genesis chapter 3. And uh, it's been a, been a really great series. I get to, get to tie a bow on it this morning, get to wrap it up. And, and we've been, we really have just been camped out in a few verses in Genesis 3, looking at Adam and Eve. And uh, before, we, before we read uh, our, our verses this morning, we're going to be in uh, 11 through 13. Before we read those verses, I'm going to take us back uh, Back to a simpler time, back to the year 2015, when a nation was, was really divided. And uh, I, have a, I have a picture that divided a nation, and it's going to divide us this morning. You guys remember this? Remember this? The dress. The dress, right? Um, what colors do you see? Do you see blue or black? White and gold. All right. Silver. Did somebody say silver? Um, yeah, yeah. You see blue or black, white or gold. Um, it's not white or gold. It's, it's blue and black. Um, yeah, that's, we, won't, we won't be divided here. Um, or how about, do you guys remember this one? I have an have a audio uh, file that we can play. I don't know if you guys have heard this. This didn't divide as many people. We can play that now. Play Laurel. It. Laurel. It's not the voice of God. Laurel. What do you hear? Laurel. Yanny. Pastor Laurel. Ryan hears Yanny. All right. Laurel. Anyone hear Laurel? Laurel? Who hears Yanny? Laurel. Who doesn't care at all? Laurel. Right? That's fine. We can Laurel. stop. Yeah. Gideon, that's fine. All right. I have one more. Uh, don't put it up on the screen yet. There has been, there's been only one argument in our household over the last 12 years that Carrie and I have been married. And it's the color of our couch. All right. So I have this. What color is that couch? Oh, dear. Olive green. Yes, olive green. I heard olive green. I'm going to claim it. Olive green. Uh, Carrie has convinced uh, herself and our daughters that it's brown. But, <laughs> yeah, it's green. That's right. Um, okay. So, <laughs> we have these illusions, right, where we see one thing. Some of us see another thing. Um, that's cool information, but what in the world, right, does it have to do with Genesis 3 and silencing shame? Um, and so 
Here, here's what it has to do with. Hopefully you get the connection. But we've, we've been looking at Adam and Eve's response to their sin, their fall, in Genesis chapter 3 over the past three weeks. And, and ultimately God's response to them, right, in their sin. And, and we've, we've seen how the sin and, and the shame, it, 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 distorts, it distorts their view. Just like, you know, we have a distorted color of what we think the dress is, if anybody thinks it's white and gold. Um, but what that shame has done to, to the, the way they view themselves, the way they view their, their lives, the way they view God. And so, you know, to catch you up, if you haven't you know, been here over the, the past few weeks, God creates them good, right? That's the, the, the descriptor that we have. In his image, God creates them. And then they're, they're deceived and they, they fall into the sin thinking that they're not good enough when God's already said they're like him. How could they be better? And so they have this distorted view of, of themselves. And God, he, he's made them naked and, and unashamed. And then shame comes and they have to cover themselves up, hide themselves, thinking that they can't, they can't be fully themselves with one another or fully themselves with God. So they have this distorted view of reality. Sin and shame comes in and it, it's like it, you know, it's like it, it casts a shadow. That's, you know, what the, the science behind that blue or black dress is. is it, it casts a shadow and they, they, don't have, they, don't, they don't have a full image of, of, how, of, of what reality is. And yet Pastor Ryan, he, he preached this, you know, awesome ser- sermon last week. Even in their, their sin, even in their shame, God pursues them. He goes after them. He, he, he seeks them out, pursues them in their sin. And, and God wants to, sh- to show them and to show us what's on the other side of shame. What's on the other side of, of, of our sin. And, and so that's what we're going to look at this morning. Before we do that, before we read, I'd just like to pray uh, one last time. So join me in prayer. God, we, we thank you for what you've already done uh, here this morning. How uh, you've, you've shown yourself to us as, as being so good. And, and how... Um, we can just wait on you. We can rest in you. Lord, we, we, trust, we trust you this morning. We ask that you would reveal yourself to us. Show, show us a reality of who we are in you. Strip away all the lies that we believe about ourselves, about others, about our situations. Help us to see the truth of who you are, Lord, and help us to leave with hope. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're we're at this point, Genesis chapter 3. Um, we're going to read verse 11 and 12. So God has, has come. He sought out Adam. He sought out Eve. And here's this conversation that we see them having. Um, and we get to see this in, in verse 11. So God says, hey, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave me to be with. She gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. All right, we'll pause here. So Adam eventually answers the question, well, yeah, I ate, right? But look at what he does. He goes, the woman that you gave me to be with, the woman 
you gave me. Like, all right, Adam just, he doesn't just point his finger at Eve. He points his finger who? At who? God. He's like, hey, remember? Remember? You gave me. I was alone, right? And, and this, is what, this is what shame does. It distorts our reality, causing us to really question God's goodness. Think about, think about Adam's initial response when, he had, when, he, when Eve was given to him, right? Remember back, this is just 13 verses. He just flipped the page once over. He's alone. And God, God puts him to sleep. He wakes up. Oh, here's Eve. And he like, he breaks into this like poetry. He's like, oh, this is so wonderful. Eve, she's now bone of my bone. She's flesh of my flesh. Oh, yeah. See, we are one. This is amazing. And then, what, 13 verses later, hey, God, you gave me her. No, not me. This, this, isn't, this isn't my deal. This is you. This is her, right? He starts pointing his finger. After Adam sins, he's ready to throw Eve and God under the bus, right? Totally changes his perspective, distorts his reality. What was once a good gift from God is like, no, this is, this is what caused me to mess up. And, and, you know, if we think about it, if we're honest, we face, we face the same danger today because of sin we need to constantly be reminded of God's goodness, of how God is always good. We, we're reminded of this frequently throughout the Bible. Psalm is, Psalms is especially good at this. We're going to throw some, some verses uh, on the screen. Uh, David writes in Psalm 34, 8, Oh, taste and see the Lord is good. Blesses the man who takes refuge in him. Psalm 107.1, oh, give thanks to the Lord. He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 119.68, you're good. You do good. Teach me your statutes. Psalm 145.8-10, the Lord is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all. His mercy is over all, all that he has made. All your work shall give you thanks. Oh, Lord, all, your all the saints shall bless you. That's a tongue twister. But here, here's the question. How grateful, how grateful are you? Like examine your life, examine your thoughts, examine your words. How grateful are you for the gifts that God's given you? Has what was once you considered a gift now become something that you complain about? At one time, you know, one time, oh, I got this job, amazing. Starting on my, I can't wait. It's a pay raise. Thank you, God. This is awesome. Oh, my boss, you know, right? Is it, do you have this shift that happens? Man, if I could just get a new job, right? Well, you know, maybe you're like Adam. Maybe you don't have the thankfulness for, for, for your family that you spend every day with. The attitude that you reflect towards your, your spouse or your children, maybe it doesn't reflect a whole lot of gratefulness. Has sin, shame caused you to question God's goodness and the good gifts that he's given to you? Here's a question. Are you more like Adam in Genesis or like David in the Psalms? Do you, do you spend 
Do you spend more of your time just wishing for a different circumstance? Or do you spend your time truly giving thanks in all circumstances? And Pastor Ryan said it you know, earlier, we have worship and prayer this Tuesday. This is, this is the plug. Come on. But every, every worship and prayer, we, we start. We, we, you know, we, we huddle up. We circle up. Pastor Josiah just says, hey, shout out your thanks. Simple things. Could be as simple as a warm shower, right? Doesn't have to be profound. And so the question, how are you doing in this? What, what are the practices you need to take on every single day? Are they little things? Praying before meals, right? Starting your day with gratitude. Maybe it's writing things down every day that you're grateful for. Set an alarm throughout the day to give thanks to God. We need to constantly and consistently come back to God's character, that he is good. Everything he does is good. There are so many things trying trying to, to take our focus away from the goodness of God. We need to come back to the foundation, the simple thing. God is good. God is good. Continue reading. Uh, see Eve's response in Genesis 3:13. Lord God said to the woman, What's this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me. And I ate. So here we have, in both Adam and Eve's conversation, Adam points the finger at Eve and at God. Eve points the finger at the, the serpent. It's just this blame game, right? It goes round and round. And so the question, you know, why don't they just own up to it? Like God knows. They, they know God knows. Why, why not just be like, yep, hand up. I did it. <laughs> Why? And I think, you know, when we, when we look at it, it's pretty relatable, Adam and Eve. It's self-preservation is what it is. Because we know, okay, so think back to the story. God says, you eat, what happens? You die. They ate, so it's like, okay, next step. <laughs> we know what's coming. And so Adam's like, okay. If I, if I can convince God this was not my fault, maybe, maybe you'll just shift the you know, punishment to Eve. And Eve, she thinks, okay, well, it's this, the serpent. Maybe you'll just, you know, kill the serpent. And so it's, self, it's self-preservation. That's, all, that's what it is. That is very relatable. If you're Adam and Eve, you're thinking the same thing they're thinking. Like, okay, how can I save myself? And, and you know, all right, so we... We know that God doesn't kill them on the spot, but they don't know this. And that's, and, th- and that, you know, opens this picture of, of really what, what shame does. It, it causes us, you know, to shift our, our sin to others because <laughs> we're afraid of facing consequences. If sin equals death, it was like, okay, put that on somebody else because I don't want to experience that. I don't experience pain. And, and, and shame, whether, you know, whether it manifests, manifests itself in, in hiding or blaming, it's, it's humanity's way of attempting to deflect the consequence to somewhere else. 
And the reality that we have here, and, and what God does is, you know, he confronts them. The reality that we have throughout the Bible is that, that we are the cause of pain and death. So even though, even though we try to point our finger at somebody else, or we try to point our finger at God, when we open scripture and when we, when we read this story, we look in the mirror and it's like, okay, I, I caused this. It's me. And so then we're confronted with the consequences that we have to face. We have a, a pretty big part to play in the, the pain and the dysfunction in this world. And, and you can read, you know, Bible backs this up. Romans 3.23. It says, all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. And so God confronts Adam and Eve, and, and we're confronted with this truth of the consequences of our sins. It's us. We try to deflect onto, onto somebody else, but man, it, it's us. We cause sin. We cause death. We cause hurt. We cause pain. And, and God, you know, confronts Adam and Eve, and he's like, all right, you do this? And, you know, this would be a, a pretty terrible message if we stopped, like, right here, right? If I was like, all right, band, come on up. Like, let's, let's close. Go out to lunch. You're the cause of, of, of death and pain, right? You're a sinner. That's the truth of the matter. But that's not where the message stops. There's, there's a second half of those verses, Romans 3.23, Yes, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But what? They're justified by the grace as a gift through the redemption of Jesus Christ. Yes, the wages of sin is death, but what? The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so God, because he's good, he chooses to do something about our sin. He doesn't just leave us there and say, all right, you ate, you're dead. He, he does something. And, that, and that, that's, that's, really good, that's really good news for all of us. And so we're going to read a, a couple more verses and to see what, what's on the other side of, of our sin and our shame here. Verse 14 in Genesis chapter 3 says, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You'll crawl on your belly. You'll eat dust all the days of your life. I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He'll crush your head. You will strike his heel. So this is kind of poetic here, um, but right after Adam and Eve sin, God provides some hope. He says to the serpent, hey, you think you've won. You, th you think you deceived Eve, and now my creation is just tarnished and dead. You think you've won. You're wrong. You're going to eat dust. He says, you're going to crawl on the belly all the days of your life. So what God says to Satan here is, hey, the, the end for you, you're going to eat dust. You haven't won the victory. And Genesis 3.15, it's the first picture of what Jesus is going to do on the cross. God provides this picture of, of Eve's offspring. It's, it's kind of poetic here, but coming to defeat the snake 
But as he does, his, his heel is struck. So you have the picture. There's a snake on the ground. Nobody likes snakes. You step on his head, right? But as you step on the head, the, the snake comes up and, and bites the heel. And the poison that gets in, you know, the heel, that hurts, right? It's not good. So God, God does something about the sin and about the, the shame. And here's, here's my point. On the other side of shame, forgiveness is waiting. This is, this is the first picture of forgiveness. Forgiveness, it's, it's waiting on the other side of shame. And God is, he's poetic in Genesis 3.15, but he shows a true picture of forgiveness in Jesus Christ. The reality of what Jesus does on the cross. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of, of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Isaiah 53.5 says, he's pierced for our transgressions. He's crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace is upon him. By his wounds, we are healed. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is on the other side of shame. That's where I, I want to spend uh, the rest of our time. Just focusing on the, on the amazing forgiveness of God. And I think there's, there's not a better picture than in Luke 23. So you can turn there um, in your Bibles or in your Bible app. Luke 23, we're going to read verse 32 through 34. It's an amazing picture of Jesus and how powerful his forgiveness is. The picture of his, his crucifixion. It says in verse 32, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that's called the skull, they crucified him. The criminals, one on his right, one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's incredible, right? Jesus, the, the people who are torturing and killing him, as they're doing it, he says, hey, their view is just distorted. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. Forgive them. This word here that's, that's used to describe this forgiveness, it, it means to, to release, to let it go, to not hold against. Forgiveness that we have in Christ is, is God releasing us from the punishment that we face from sin, the death. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so all of us, but maybe, maybe some of us especially here today, need to come out of hiding and step into confession and experience the power of God's forgiveness. Maybe some of you are hiding in your sin. You're carrying the burden that you're not meant to carry. And Jesus's words have always been, come to me, I'll give you rest. Jesus's heart is to forgive. He showed that on the cross. There is so much power in Christ's forgiveness where Jesus takes away our punishment and he puts it on himself. Maybe some of you need to step into that forgiveness this morning. Experience the power 
of Jesus' forgiveness, where he takes the burden off of you and puts it on himself. We could, you know, we, we could end here. I've said that a couple times. <laughs> we, we could end here, and it would be an amazing time to end. Like, all right, here we go. We're going to sing a worship song. We're going to go have a brisket. It's Labor Day weekend. This is awesome. But I don't think the circle will be completed. Because, you know, we know, okay, so we step out of shame. We step into forgiveness. Incredible. But that's not the full picture of the power of the gospel. Because Jesus doesn't just call us to experience his forgiveness. He also calls us to be made and look like him and to extend forgiveness. And so Jesus, he he has this conversation with with his disciples. And he's he's teaching them about forgiveness before he shows that ultimate forgiveness on the cross. And so they, they, don't, they don't necessarily get it yet. But we're on the other side of that, so hopefully it'll, it'll, it'll come to us, all right? So we're in, in Matthew, uh, I believe it's chapter 18, verse 21. We're going to put that on the screen as well so you guys can follow along. So Peter is, is, is coming up to Jesus. He's like, all right, you're, you're telling me this thing about forgiveness. What does it look like? What does this picture of forgiveness look like? How many times do I forgive, right? He says this. Some of you guys know this, know this story. Do I forgive seven times? I mean, do I forgive seven? That's a good number. And Jesus says, no, not seven times, 77 times. Some of your um, translations maybe say 70 times seven. And then Jesus tells this story, which I love. I love how Jesus is able to um, tell stories way better than I can. So hopefully I don't blow this. But uh, he tells this story. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like a king. He, he wishes to settle accounts with his servants. When we begin to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife, his children, and all that he had in payment to be made. So this number here, 10,000 talents, doesn't mean anything to us. For them, it's like, hey, this is, this is a lot of money. It's like a trillion dollars, right? Jesus is using like this big dramatic number, like, hey, you can't pay this back. This is like what a country would owe to another country. And so in verse, verse 26, it's, it's comical. He says, the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me. I'll pay you, I'll pay you back everything. It's like, no, you won't. You can't, you can't do that. And so the master, out of pity, he what? Releases him. He doesn't hold on to the debt. He releases him. He forgave him. And here's the twist in the story. He says, but that servant went out. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him just a hundred denarii, which is like a couple days wages. Seizing him, he began to choke him, (laughs) saying, pay what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down, pleaded with him. Familiar words here. Have patience with me and I'll pay you. He refused and went out and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly dis- distressed. They went and reported to their master all that um, had taken place. The master summoned him and said, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? 
And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. He says, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So here's, here's what we're confronted with. We're confronted with this amazing forgiveness that Jesus extends to all of us. We have this debt that we could, we could never pay back. It's amazing forgiveness. And then Jesus says to us, how could you not forgive others? How can you not extend grace and mercy to others? And so we have this you know, question that we have to ask ourselves, if I'm going to follow Jesus, I have to, how do I forgive like him? I see myself as someone whose debt has been forgiven. How do I forgive? And, and there's a lot of, you know, we could, this could be a whole sermon series where we just spend on like, okay, forgiveness. What is forgiveness? What isn't it? Um, if, if you want to maybe get a little fuller grasp, you can read, there's a story that comes right before it where Jesus is teaching about, you know, forgiveness, where he says, hey, if someone's wronged you, you go to them directly, you call it out, you say, hey, this is what happened. If they don't listen, you take another person, right? Um, so forgiveness, you know, it's not ignoring. It's not like letting yourself be abused over and over. It's not re restoration or, or reconciliation. That's something completely different. But I think, I think where it's summed up is that last verse, those last verses where, where Jesus describes the person who doesn't forgive as someone who's thrown in jail and tortured. And he says, that's what unforgiveness, that's what a picture of unforgiveness is. If someone who has, has wronged you, you hold it so tight that it tortures you. And it's like they have held you in jail and you can't release it. And you can't release it. And it holds on to you and it consumes you. He says, that's what unforgiveness is. And what Jesus is calling us to do as his followers, as his disciples, is asking for the grace to let it go, to not hold on to it, and to forgive like Jesus forgives. And, and that's, the, that's the full circle of coming out of sin and coming out of shame. Is it's, it's confessing your sins to Jesus and it's experiencing the, the rest and the beauty that comes with, with Jesus taking your burdens away and showing you who he's created you to be, removing that veil from your eyes and how good Jesus is and, and, and who you're called to be in him. And then it's also the grace that Jesus extends to you to be like him and to forgive others. We're gonna close here. I asked the uh, worship team to come back up. I heard a powerful story of forgiveness. So close with a story. I think sometimes, I don't know, I, I like stories. So um, I think sometimes it just helps us remember, remember things a little bit better. But the power, powerful story of forgiveness from this man named Gordon Wilson. Uh, Gordon Wilson is from Northern Ireland. And uh, he attended a parade with his daughter in 1987. You can Google this. You can read his Wikipedia. This is a true story. Um, but at the time, 
many of you know, uh, there's political unrest in, in, in Northern Ireland. And there's this militant terrorist group called the Provisional IRA, and they would use violent tactics to protest against the rule of Great Britain in, in Ireland. And this group, they set off a bomb at the parade where Gordon and his daughter attended. And this, this bomb, you know, went off, and Gordon and his, his daughter <clears throat> were, were uh, the rubble fell on him, a building fell on him and his daughter. And he, he describes the last conversation he ever has with his daughter. He's very, very, uh, man, as a dad with daughters, this gets me. But anyways, he says, she held my hand tightly. Grip me, grip me as hard as she could. She said, Daddy, I love you so much. He said, those were her exact words to me. Those were the last words I ever heard her say. And this is how his, his interview that he has with the BBC is described. It says, to the astonishment of his listeners, Wilson went on to add, but I bear no ill will. I bear no grudge. Dirty sort of talk is not going to bring her back to life. She's dead. She's in heaven. We shall meet again. I'll pray for these men tonight and every night. I hope I get the grace to continue to do so. As a historian, um, Jonathan Barden recounts, no words in more than 25 years of violence in Northern Ireland had such a powerful an emotional impact. Gordon Wilson, he was a, obviously a Christian. He was a peace campaigner. He ended up having many meetings with the men who were responsible with that bombing, for that bombing. Eventually, the leader of that group apologized for the bombing and took responsibility, and they signed a peace covenant like 10 years later. Forgiveness is powerful. It changes things. It changes people. It changes hearts. Many of us have painful stories of maybe how we've been wronged. And it's a struggle to forgive. Gordon said, I pray for the grace to continue to do so. I think forgiveness, right, it's a process. It doesn't happen like that. But as followers of Jesus, we're called out of shame, we're called to experience forgiveness, and then we're called to extend forgiveness to others. I think that's how the kingdom of God comes. When we take the forgiveness we've been given, and we live it out, we walk it out. And so as I close, just to have a couple questions, where does this message find you? Maybe some of you have been questioning God's goodness through circumstances in your life, maybe mistakes other people have made, mistakes you've made. Maybe you need to spend some time in gratitude. Spend some time coming back to the goodness of God. Some of you, maybe you're hiding in sin. You're hiding in shame still, and God's calling you out into confession to experience His forgiveness. Maybe some of you have been just holding on to hurts so long. They've kept you in prison. 
And some of you need to walk out that step of obedience to extend grace and to let it go, to release what's been holding you in bondage. I don't know where it finds you, but I know God's grace is there for you. Let's pray before we go into this final song. Lord, we're thankful for who you are. At your good, you meet us right where we're at. Whether it's in, in sin, in shame, in confession, needing to extend forgiveness, you meet us where we're at. And your grace, it's, it's sufficient for us. It's good for us. It, it can provide us the strength we need. Lord, we know we cannot do it in our own strength. We, we can't do it without you, Lord. So I just ask that your presence will come in a powerful way. That it would provide everything we need to follow you, to give you glory and honor with our lives. We love you. Pray this in your name.